Hello and welcome to I Spit On Your Grades um, with me, Faye, Christopher and Mercer. Um, last time y'all didn't want to do your own introduction, so I'm doing your introduction this time. It's not that we didn't want to do his own introduction. It's just that normally we introduce the other people and then we all go, hi! Okay, let me start that again then. So you're here with me, Faye and Christopher. Hello. And Mercer. Hello. Is that better for you? Yeah, I prefer it that way. Established. Well, it's, it's certainly camper. <laughs> it's a camper. Because Mercer got to give a proper lie. Wow. <sighs> Don't know what's there. Starting off rough. Yeah, very rough. As we mentioned in the last episode, um, we're not doing as normal spit grades format this week. We are, or we have been uh, watching black content in terms of horror films shorts actors directors all that sort of thing and we're just gonna freestyle it i guess just have a chat about some of the stuff we've watched and enjoyed this week and like you said last time mercer a celebration yes i reckon a good thing to start off with then in my opinion would be the horror noir documentary yeah, yeah. um because I watched that for the first time. Uh, give me an insight. Brought some things. Brought some things to mind that I never really thought about before. Such like as myself. Well, interestingly enough, it was it was the way, not the way, the kind of concept that the black character always dies. Because mm-hmm. I guess when we grew up, like eighties, when I was like. In the 80s. I started watching horror films in the 80s. You're questioning like you don't know that's when we grew up. <laughs> like, is that the right year? Is it the 80s? I was thinking I was born in 81. But I can remember, like, I've been watching, as, for as long as I can remember, I've been watching horror films since being, like, a small child in yeah. primary school. Um, one of my favourite horrors and one of my big hitters was A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting with the concept that the black person always dies for one of my favourite films to be the film where the black person doesn't die. Yeah. King so I never really Yeah, King mm. Um So I never really kind of had that conception or the idea that, that the black person always dies. Um, and then I was like trying to think of other films. And do you know what? To be honest, I was struggling to think of films with with black characters in mm. that weren't just there for like an effect to to be bumped off. Yeah, yeah. But then I was like, I can't really think of many. I couldn't think of any. No. So I would be like, hmm. But I guess that's not something we would have necessarily been aware of because we weren't. I think unless you told something like that, I, I don't suppose you notice it. Just like the way with any horror film, you grow up with it and maybe you don't notice all the tropes until a certain age and you go, oh yeah, actually that makes sense. Maybe it's the same in that respect. Because we weren't, because it weren't brought to our attention from outside surroundings, we were just living in this little horror bubble. Well, that's the thing. If, if it's something that doesn't relate to you, so black characters being killed off first, we'd never pick up on it because... It has no it has no relevance to our to our lives. We don't get we don't live that live that the whole time being. So we'd never notice. Whereas, 
I'm sure if you if you are black and you see the character being off killed first time every time, you're gonna notice that far more than we're gonna notice it. We're not looking out for it. That's a fair point. Yeah, I mean we do now. We see it now, and you know, obviously, I mean we'll we'll get to the more modern films that are now inclusive of black people as main characters, which is fantastic. Um, but I mean, I guess originally it obviously started with well, it probably I say obviously. Uh, again, I I'm not au fait on the entire black horror history. It's something I am looking into and getting bits of information where I can. Um, but to us, we'd say it was Night of the Living Dead that started that. That was where this whole concept came in. Well, to the fact that it gets right to the end and then, you know, he's offed. Killed, yeah. Which is an injustice because that poor man was fighting the whole way through. You shouldn't be killed off if you've been fighting that hard the whole way through. No, you really shouldn't. Um, but what I do think is interesting about that is that whether you can take a race perception on what was happening, like on that ending. Mm. So the commentary feels like it's uh, the, the black man gets shot at the end by the white men. But then after watching Horror Noir, and they said, actually, it weren't written as a black man, it was written as a white man. Mm. Makes me, like, just makes me wonder whether, like, was the ending still the same? But I think in making that choice of hiring a black actor as that role, that turns it on its head whether you're going to want it to or not. You're going guess, to take yeah. away something from that. I mean, that's fair enough. You know, I mean, it does make for an interesting conversation piece whereas if it had been a white man probably wouldn't have thought any more of it no probably not and i think i I, so I wonder i know that like again going from horror noir i'll just keep saying it's tighter no it's, it's, <laughs> it's a good documentary it's a great things, documentary but, um but obviously from that like the the way they like the way it was talked about was that george Romero hired him just purely because he was the best on the day. Yeah, yeah. But I do wonder if there was some kind of undertones of this does go against the norm and actually this ending will probably be very reflective of the the times. And that, that goes back to if, if he was chosen just for purely being the best actor, that it has affected the ending, whether mm. or not you intended that to be the case. Because of the colour of his skin, which is the whole point. But horror noir in general, as a documentary, is is really informative. It like like you, it makes you think about things that you wouldn't have necessarily thought about before. There's a whole raft of content you want to go and check out after yeah. you watch horror noir. There is, yeah. Um, some of it I did. <laughs> what do, what did you check out? Because I know you checked out different stuff to us, obviously, because. We're not together. You chose not to bubble with us, and that's your choice, and that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I have have other family to consider. Family Um, schmanly. Schmanly. I know. Before before we jump onto the other content, what I think, after watching Horror in a World, one of the things that, like, we're going to, you know, we're going to write a letterbox review, and one of the first things that came into mind where I want to, like, the thoughts were um, a thought provoking. I thought, oh, I don't want to use thought provoking because thought provoking 
for me means like it it brings up thoughts that we sh- like we would never really consider. That's not necessarily a bad thing though to to say that you never thought of that before and something's changing your mind. No, definitely not a bad thing, but it just made me question the use of it. Like, just why have we never, or why have I never thought of that before? Why is it, why in 2020, when I think I'm quite liberal and quite, you know, open and loving and not discriminatory against anyone, why am I watching the documentary and going, oh, I, I never really took that I never really took that concept. I guess it's like what Chris was saying, because I am a white male, I probably, my experiences are very different. Yeah. But, but it's not like I don't know people who are of different minorities. But you're not living it, and it's an entirely different no. thing. Yeah, so it was. So I, and, but that's what got me. I kind of felt, I felt bad, like, not, not bad, I felt a bit disappointed in myself that why 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 do I think it's so provoking? I understand like, I understand why you'd feel that way, but at the same time, it's a golden opportunity to then go, okay, well, what can I learn about this, and yeah. how how can I support people who are feeling like this? True, it is very true. Mm. It, um, yeah, it also pushed me on to so I did some like reading. Um, after Horror Award, just about like the industry in general, and I looked at like awards, awards, yeah, uh, and the Oscars mm-hmm. specifically, and again, it was quite, quite shocking to see like the statistics. I can't pull them off my head, but I do know it was less than one percent of nominees were for leading actress were black. Yeah, um, and then. For those that were actually nominated, it was they were they were nominated based purely on the fact that their role was race specific. Right. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. None of them were just like you know, it was very etched into black culture mm-hmm. or or black history as to or like you know, so like Halle Berry, Monsters Ball, like. I know it's not horror, but yeah. the, the whole concept is that role was specifically wrote for a black woman. Could it be any... It couldn't be a white woman. Yeah. And she got an Oscar nomination. But there's so many roles out there that can be, like... Like Green Book. Green Book's in the real example. But ethnic fluidity should come in to play, I think, a lot more. Absolutely, that, that's, that's what it's about, yeah, equality, that's yeah. what it's about. But Oscars, <laughs> Oscars are not great at the best of times. Oscars no. like white male films, that's what they like, and your statistics will show that. It's kind of hard even being a woman trying to get an Oscar, trying to be a black woman getting an Oscar. Fucking no chance, no chance at all, because it's run by white elderly male men, it just is, we all know that, so... It's hard even to get recognition. So the roles yeah. that you will find win the award. It's probably like a, oh, look how liberal we are. Look how much we accept people. We're willing to give an award to someone. I mean, and this is not this is not diminishing 
the achievements of people who have won Oscars because I'm sure they're absolutely worthy. I've not seen Monsters Ball, but Halle Berry's a good actress. I'm sure it's absolutely worthy. I'm just saying I feel like a lot of the time people will do stuff like this to go, oh, we don't, we're not racist. Look at us. We've given an Oscar to Halle Berry. I'm not saying that's how it is, but knowing the people who are behind the industry, maybe. I don't know. I don't... Again, I'm no expert on this. That's just how it comes across. I, I could be entirely wrong, and I apologise if I am. If this has taught us anything, the reason it is like we'll, we will make mistakes, we will say, get things wrong, and we're happy to be corrected and learn from it when yeah. we do get things wrong. See, life's about making mistakes and learning from your mistakes. I, I truly, truly believe that. So back, know, onto the, back onto the films, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rumble, rumble. Um, yeah, we uh, like I say, you watch different things to us, but we also watch some of the same stuff. I yeah, believe. so we watch yeah. some crossovers, we watch some different stuff, and I guess we've got his own back catalogue of films yeah. that we've seen. Um I, this don't put you about, does it? What? I mean, just twisting my beard hair. No, it's fine. Okay, good. It's, it's just my face hair. constantly looks like this, that's all. Right, <laughs> cool. But yeah, I think um, we've got our own kind of back history of films that we've watched as well. Yes. So, definitely got enough to talk about, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Well, one film you've seen that we haven't is the Snoop Dogg... I did, yeah. I watched Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror, mm-hmm. which is obviously, I mean, the title says Hood of Horror, so it's an urban film, um, and it's set in kind of like urban areas in okay. America, so where the, you know, predominant kind of resident is either black or Latino, um, or poor, basically, so people, yeah, yeah. live in a bit rough. In the hood. Um, in the hood, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie, it's not a great film. I imagine it to be fun. Would it be fun with it being Snoop Dogg? There are some fun parts in it. Um, the The idea of the film is that it's it's an anthology, so you've got three different segments, and Snoop Dogg's kind of like your wraparound. Yeah. It's like the devil or like something. Like your Collecting balls. Sorry? Like your crypt keeper. Yeah, almost like your crypt keeper, yeah. So he's like your wraparound. He appears in each, like, like introduces each story or whatever. Um, and the idea is that the films, each of the kind of central characters in each segment are given a chance to better society. Okay. And what they actually do is the opposite. All right. So we've got, so one of the key reasons I put this on is because it's got Daniela Alonso in, who's a fabulous uh, Latino actress. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's in the first segment, and she kind of like she's a graffiti artist, but she does like nice, pretty designs, and she does mur- mur- murals. Murals. <laughs> she does. She spends a lot of time doing murial. <laughs> yeah, puts a lot of time doing murial. Yeah. Yeah. She does murals, um, and she's you know, she's not like a, a big gangster or whatever. But, you know, she's she's from the streets. Um, and she ends up getting this tattoo and it gives her this power that if she actually tags over somebody's graffiti, mm. they die a violent death. Oh, that sounds interesting. 
So it is quite interesting. But what she does is rather than kind of like just use her art and use her art for good, she just starts tagging over everyone to kill off people. Okay. Because of her history. So they take that power away from her and actually make her a, a mural of blood. Um, so it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the stories are all right. Uh, we've got a really racist couple in the second story who take over an apartment block and start starving, like not feeding the people who live there, the black people who live there, mm. kind of make them their slaves. Oh, okay. Um, and this was, that one's all about trying to change the central character's opinions on how black people should be treated. Yeah. And that worked. And other one's a rapper. That's boring, last one. Um, <laughs> but what was interesting... So I watched the film, and I thought, it's not great. And I thought, a lot of this seems, like, it does seem very stereotypical, some of it. And I'm like, all right, I'm interested in that we've got Snoop Dogg's sort of horror. Uh, but it, it does play very much towards stereotypes. And I'll be like, mm, that's a bit lazy. Like, you could have done something with it. So then I had a look at, like, who directed it, and it were a white woman. And oh, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. So then I had a look at who wrote it. It's all white men. Really? Yeah. So I'm like, oh. So I looked at who produced it. <laughs> and primarily the producers, I'm not sure about all of them, because I had to do like a lot of searching to try and find some of these people. Mm. But primarily the producers are white and Asian. Okay. And then Snoop Dogg. I'm like, oh, no wonder it's so kind of like built into like stereotypes and caricatures. Yeah. Because none of you people are black you've wrote how you think a black person is this not is, how a black person is this is the thing with a lot of with some of the not a lot this is the thing with some of the films that we've picked like we've picked Candyman and Candyman 2 and I understand that they are written by white males and I do worry if what I'm watching is coming across as perceived behaviour because of them being white male I just think it's kind of a bit, I don't know what the word is, like or, like the audacity behind it. It's a bit audacious for like a group of white people to write black and Latino characters. But it's like because... men writing women characters who... But yeah. It's the same, yeah. yeah. Men writing women characters. She walks into a room, her shirt is half open, her nipples are yeah. pressing against the material. There's an element of, you know, not everybody can write for everybody because not everybody's walked in everybody's shoes. But if I was, for example, going to sit down and go, right, I'm going to write a film about black culture, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and find somebody who's lived that black culture and say, can you help me with this? Mm. I'm not going to be a white man and go, I don't know what I do about blacks. They might have done that. It might have been part of their research leading up to it. But again, it's that argument of unless you've actually been in that position, you're never going to fully know. Oh, yeah. Same Fair with enough. any walk of life. Same with, like, you know, LGBTQ. I, I can say that I understand what the situation is and I appreciate what you're going through. But I'll never fully understand because I'm not a gay male. So or female. Or female. Or person. Yeah. Anyway, I just 
I just thought it was a bit just interesting that we've got like a, kind of almost an entire white production cast behind a black film. Felt it felt unauthentic. Yeah. One that I did want to watch, but we didn't have time to do it because we couldn't um, find it to rent anywhere or anything, was Tales from the Hood and uh, Mitch, Scout the Horizon, so horror curator. Um, he suggested it and said it was one of his favourites, but we we couldn't find it in time. And but I, did you have you seen that or? I have seen Tales from the Hood. Yeah. So actually, this is a this is not my first foray into black cinema. This is not in my fact, first rodeo. <laughs> no, no. If a few years ago, I went through a bit of a not a phase, but I went through kind of like a section of watching things like Tales from the Hood. I've seen Snoop Dogs before, mm-hmm. um, Vamps, and they all primarily were, like, I think they all were around about the same time yeah. they came out, most of them were watching. So it were, like they said in Horror Noir, a lot of it were the Z endings on films. Yeah. Uh, so I watched Vamps. I watched actually two different films that both had the exact same storyline, and they were both um, based on, not based on, but basically a copy of From Dust Till Dawn. All right. <laughs> So strippers, um, and they were both all vampires, but it were two different films. Um, so I watched quite a lot, of, like uh, zombies from in the from the hood mm. and stuff like that. So it's not my first kind of like foray, but I, before it was just entertainment. It's funny you should say about Dust Till Dawn because we, in preparation for this podcast, watched Vamp because, as we've discussed on many occasions, Grace Jones in Vamp is one of the most terrifying things ever. Yes. She is freaky. She looks freaky in it when she's done up in all the white makeup and just when she turns to the vampire. I, I, when we were watching this time, I said to Chris, oh, she's not as scary as I remember. And then he got to the bit where she turned into the vampire. I went, yeah, she's she fucking freaky. She is she is proper freaky in it. She, she's, I mean, like, Grace Jones as a person, I wouldn't cross her at no. all. Um, and it comes across in a character in this, I reckon. Um... But we, as we said as we were watching it, do you think uh, that Tarantino and Rodriguez could have maybe taken bits from this to use from Dust Till Dawn? It's a strip club Definitely. full of vampires. Yeah. Definitely. I, mean, I don't think anything's original, really, is it? But yeah, they definitely probably. But even took down some to the whole dance scene, the whole like stripping yeah. monologue which Salma Hayek has. So. Yes. Yeah. Grace Jones is. Amazing in mm. Vamp. She's absolutely terrifying in Vamp. Um, I do find it interesting that she, the the kind of like, I don't know, like the way she paints, like the white and the black outfit. It's tribal. Not it like, comes across as like a tribal yeah, vibe to me. It's quite tribal. Mm. Yeah. Um, but then again, she spanned a whole like list, you know, centuries and stuff. So you can see she's been involved in like. Um, what time's Egyptian? What time's that? It's that time Egyptian frame. Times. Egyptian times. Egyptian <laughs> times. She's obviously come from that, and you know, so she probably has taken those influences along the way. Also in Vamp, I know not a black actor, but it is um, Robert Russler who turns up in Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two as the yes. best friend. Yes. Well, I keep mistaking for the guy from Greece, and um, who's in Faculty. Kanike. He does not look like Kanike. 
Not I'm just mistaken for him. I didn't say look like him, but this is not mistaken for him. Okay. Yeah, it's not him anyway. <laughs> but yeah, um, Vamp was just as good as I remember it, and it was a first time watch for Chris. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed Vamp. A lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It's, yeah, one might even go as far to say it's their favourite vampire film. So are we to expect that you're going to bring this up when uh, it eventually comes to vampire films? Potentially. Uh, damn. <laughs> no, we don't know yet. Um, I've got quite a few. Um, but no, Vamp's good, and I think Vamp does... But then, like, I wonder, again, like, are we demonising black women? <laughs> no. In problem. I don't believe we are. I, I'm just taking Grace Jones as a character, and the character is terrifying because... She doesn't say a word throughout, by the way. Not one word. She's clearly the queen in it as well. She's clearly the all-powerful yes. matriarch of that. It's not like they've got they've got there and they've got her performing. And I was like, she's clearly the one in charge. She's the mm. one they all defer to. They yeah. don't upset. She's really in the show. I don't want to... I'm probably going to have to watch Vamp again now. <laughs> so, what else did you... Uh... Did you watch? Like I said before, we watched Candyman, and <laughs> then um, I watched Candyman Two: Farewell to the Farewell to the Flesh, um, which I preferred to Candyman. To be honest with okay. you, I, I'm not sure whether I've seen Part Two. I've seen one of the sequels multiple times. Mm-hmm. But I don't know which one it is. This is the one where the main girl in it finds out she's related to Candyman. So her mother was the um, granddaughter of the daughter who Candyman and the girl had. Uh, I haven't seen it. No. It's really good. The one I've seen is the one... It has, has, however, got the worst squeezing for the tagline "sweet for the sweet" that you will ever see. Yeah, I like Candyman, um, and I think again, obviously, Harry Noir mentioned it. Candyman does almost revert back to tropes where the black man's after a blonde woman or a white woman. Mm. Um, but I, I kind of. I don't know, I, I, I never, again, I never thought that as a white male. Um, because I just, I think we've said it before, for me, Candyman is the story of a man who was murdered for falling in love with a white woman. Yes, and that's um, the thing, we just see it as that, but it's clearly yeah. not that. Um, and then I also kind of, I, I kind of think his obsession for, Obviously, she she summons him because she's obsessed with like the legend. Yeah. She's doing a paper of the legend or something. Yeah. Um, but I also think she's because up until that point, he's kind of lived in Cabrini Heights. Cabrini is it Cabrini, Cabrini Green? Cabrini Green. Cabrini Green. Cabrini, um, which is a predominantly black neighborhood, mm. and he gets called or the the tease like the thing is a is a, a, a scary legend for the black children to keep them under control mm. and their behavior and i think when she kind of calls him it's almost like he's like in a sense reunited with like the woman that he loved at the start 
I, I see that, and this is why some people, uh, or I've been told some people, have a problem with Candyman, in that in order to obviously keep the legend going and to keep kids talking about him, he needs this blonde white woman to come along as the saviour and to keep his legend going. He needs her to do that. Um, I didn't see it as such myself, and um, we discussed this before we started recording, I, I see Candyman as a victim rather than a demon he is getting revenge of course but he's getting revenge for like you say doing nothing more than falling in love that's all he's done it isn't like he's a villain it's not like he's you know michael myers who's gone and killed his sister freddy krueger who's you know a child killer he's nothing like that he didn't he didn't do anything wrong but he's getting revenge and i'm like fucking good on you <laughs> fucking go candy yeah. man <laughs> um, like i said i just think he's getting revenge on the wrong people because he's he's primarily a, a, a bug it's a, what are they called an urban legend or a, a yeah. scary story told to children within that yeah. like community to, to keep them behaving and I also think I don't know whether she was a saviour that's how it's, it's seen by a lot of people that's yeah yeah again I think no matter who you are or what you are you take different things away from everything of course. you watch yeah. I just kind of thought she, she signified like a crossover so up until and, and it was presented to the world as like to his community that you know I've crossed over now and this white woman is is just as scary and bad as I am yeah because I'm making her I so mean... now, I, now our two separate worlds of white and black come together but it's but it's evident it's evident that he needs her at the bonfire scene at the end where she's crawling out with the baby which by the way that baby would have got battered about let's not lie she was crawling all over that kid it but he perished without her so when she got out i mean eventually she did die obviously but in the process of when the fire was going on it looked like she was going to live and he crumbled as a result of that so he did need her to do the thing it wasn't like two worlds merging it was him keeping his legend going so that's why a lot of people and, and especially the imagery of her crawling out and handing a baby over to its rival mother um and her funeral at the end where all the black community turn up it it does give off that vibe i'm not saying i necessarily think that's the be all and end all of the film but you can see how it would come across that way can it be viewed as the? Because obviously, Candyman, for all intents and purposes, at the end of the first one, is dead, and so he he's over. So, do we see a black curse pass on to pass on to the white race instead? Because she doesn't obviously she doesn't then at the end of the film attack a black family. It's then a white it's then a white woman attacking a white man. Fair point. But then again, Candyman too, he does come back. Yeah, but obviously. If, if you were taking it as a singular film, then yeah, I guess. Again, it's perception. Yeah, everyone's going to work for it. something different. I think Candyman's a good film, but... It is a good film. It. I just preferred two. There's a lot more going off in two, and tenuous links, but it's set in New Orleans. I didn't say that right, from Yorkshire. New Orleans. <laughs> and um, if when you're open on Hatchet, when Tony Todd is the... Um, voodoo guy 
also in New Orleans, like like one of the same streets. Now like, ah, oh, maybe that's why Adam Green had it set there. I don't know. <laughs> to give it, say you must link to Candyman. Yes. yes. Well, it's a bit weird, isn't it, that you do two films on the exact same fucking area? Sort of thought. Well, I don't think it is that weird, but... I mean, people film in New York all the time. No, no. Fair point. Weird. Weird. Fair point. Fair point. Um, It depends on the story, doesn't it? New Orleans has got... um, New Orleans has got, like, Mardi Gras, a big kind of, like... It's got a ghost history. It's got a lot of... Um, Um... Witchcraft yeah. and uh, vampire. I want history. to go there solely for that reason because, like, you can do tours and stuff like that. Much like in Hatchet, you can do mm-hmm. tours and whatnot. And there, in our look, it would be exactly like Hatchet. What <laughs> was it? So, uh, Fab, I watched um, something called Death by Temptation. It's mentioned in Horror Noir. I've never, I, I haven't seen this. I've not. I, I think I must have missed it in the doc as well. Interesting. So it's got it's got Samuel L. Jackson in it for like five minutes, mm-hmm. and I think that's like when I again I watched it years ago. I couldn't remember it though, but part of the reason I watched it was because Samuel L. Jackson was in it, uh, and he's like in it at the beginning, and then a little bit at the end. Um, but watching it now, I had a very different kind of take on it. So it's it's about um, two brothers. One's an actor. One's a training to be a priest. Um, their father was a priest and he kind of like he's getting to that point where he's, he's due to kind of commit so he comes to New York I think it's New York to see like his brother so they use the term brother in the film I assume they mean siblings right. um, but while this is going on there's a succubus who like goes to haunts bars um, so like single men come onto her they have to come onto her and then she takes them away mm-hmm. and kind of like she bites them, kills them, or infects them. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, it's just about this priest kind of like succumbing to his urges with this succubus, and and then what happens after? It's uh, written by a black man. Yeah. And directed by a black man, and the entire cast, I believe, is is black. Awesome. Um, which is it's cool. Um, it's not the best movie in the world but there's some kind of sweet parts so the guy who wrote it and directed it is also he stars in it mm. it's called james bond the third the film itself was taken on by trauma and released through right, trauma okay. and i i do think that might have had an impact on the film right itself. yeah in their style um, and such and it's not necessarily fully in their style but i believe that there'll be it feels like things are missing from it Right, and I'm missing because they wouldn't necessarily fit that much with like trauma. Mm. So like the kind of this nice, nice relationship that that you see between the brothers, it's there, but it's almost like stifled a little bit. Okay, and I don't know. I don't know whether whether there was an impact on it, but it does. Um, it kind of feels like it could have been a different film if it weren't a trauma release or yeah. a trauma production. Um, I think it's got some interesting messages in it. The woman who plays the succubus is absolutely fantastic. She's really, really good. Yeah. But she's not done anything else since. What's her name? Cynthia Bond. 
simplistic um i found a lot of really good shorts by black uh, not only black creators black women which was fantastic yes um, obviously because we stand women in horror um so yeah we watched the film called skin tight which uh, i have my little reference book here uh, starred um morgan calhoun and emily heilman and it was directed by kiara boniface uh, again, like we said before, uh, black woman writer, amaze. Um, and it was about this lass who'd moved to a southern state, which, again, felt kind of nerve-wracking from the beginning because it, you could tell that they were not all for her. And you're like, oh, 
that was not a good move to move there. Um, and she starts getting the feeling that somebody's stalking her, and it turns out that they are. Some weird cult is uh, stalking her. So, what, what did you take? I mean, like I say, I maybe we shouldn't ruin the ending because I'd like to direct people to go and watch this because it was really good. Yeah, it is. It is really good. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I don't know what I took from it. I, I've got I've got an idea of what I took, but again, I don't. It was more of a. Uh, to me, it was kind. It it felt like I mean I might be wrong, but it felt like the same message as Get Out, in that black is in and we want part of this. That's what I took from it. Again, I may be wrong, but. Well, I don't know. I'm, I think, like you said, I think uh, the setups is really quite good and it's quite mm. tense. That scene where she's walking through. When she's walking to where she used to work, yeah, um, it, fe- it feels see... weird, doesn't it? It feels yeah, tense and... it feels tense. Um, and then there's that element of relief when she walks into the shop she used to work and sees uh, a friend, yeah, that and you're like, oh, all right, this isn't, this isn't as bad. There is some diversity in this town. She's not alone. Mm. Um, but then the store manager's horrible to her. Oh, she's a bitch, yeah. And, yeah, and they think, yeah, the way she's like, don't give her a full paycheck, and she's like, you're looking to get anything. Yeah, you want to be thankful you're getting out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, that's not nice. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I'm not sure what the message was. I, I, as in, I wasn't sure whether it was, like you said, these people are like... Black is the new white. That that's so what it felt like to me. That. Yeah. Or, or whether it was, I guess. Again, it's hard to talk about without giving too much away. We, we won't. Like I said, with all of these, with all the shorts we watch, we'll link. Yeah. The fuck out of it, and you know, go watch them because they are brilliant. Or we can always just we can always just advise that the next two minutes we'll have spoilers and just people can skip but ahead a couple of minutes. We can probably could talk it, but that won't be good for everyone. But that scene where she's walking up the street and she thinks she sees the man yeah. with that uh, with the black person. Uh-huh. And I, from that, I was like, I don't know whether I'm taking away that we're going back to slavery times. That's why I said it felt like Get Out, that whole having essentially a slave, but mm-hmm. not having them as a slave, having them as more of a fashion accessory. Right. Like you're doing get out that that's what I felt from it. To be honest with you, in a lot of films, I, even this is from a young age. We might not have picked up necessarily on, you know, the tropes of black people in horror and such. But I've been quite aware from a young age that slavery is obviously bad. It, you know, yes. like watching Color Purple with my mom when I was younger and stuff like that, and you know it's not right. So when I see something involving slavery it always it is that bit of oh no that's but like i said we we'll link them all up so people can go and watch them and stuff um yes. if you do want to talk about it, and then just drop a spoiler be reaped you know um also watched suicide by sunlight which is uh natalie paul and i um, do apologize if i get any names wrong uh motel gin foster it was directed by Nikiatu Jisu. I, I really enjoyed this one. Really, really enjoyed it. I like this one. It's yeah. a, an interesting take on the vampire mm-hmm. film. 
I don't know. So a lot of things I've seen, like when people are talking about like being victims of uh, like racism, they, they quite often they'll like I see I've, I get this from Drag Race more than anything. Uh-huh. They always say because of m- m- melanoma, mm. just because I've got different melanoma, and I thought the the concept in this one was the fact that black vampires are able to walk out in the sunlight because they've got a different melanoma to white people. Yeah. It was quite quite an interesting take. It is an interesting take and it also gives power, which I think is quite... It's, it it's not a hindrance. You know, you can go out there and do this stuff in day, other people can't. What's interesting is it does feel like that does give a sense of power to these these vampires. Um, but at the start of it, there's like that news report that still puts they compare. It's almost like they compare black vampires to yeah. white vampires, and still make white vampires the so, better. Yeah, because that's exactly. So what they what they basically say with the news report is they've just they they've kept they've kept racism but just moved it to to a mythical creature. So they've gone okay. So we've got vampires. We accept the vampires are real in this world, and they face bigotry and discrimination because they're able to daywalk, whereas white vamp- white skin vampires aren't. Yeah, it, it was it it wasn't only a good concept in terms of, like I said, the power it gives them that they are able to do this in the day, but the whole story involving her daughters as well and fighting with a conscious on whether she should be doing what she's doing, like with a little boy, bless him. Oh. Um yeah, really enjoyed this one. Really did. Speaking of Drag Race, uh, The Quiet Room. Yes. Mm. Yes, The Quiet Room. Uh, We've got in that one Jamal Douglas and Barkley Harper and Brian McCook. And I saw in his IMDb he got a drag picture, so I didn't know if he was involved in Drag Race. Uh, But I did see Alaska Thunderfuck. Am I saying that right? Yeah. <laughs> am, I so, am, I, am, am I pronouncing that right? Thunderfuck. I didn't know if it was. It... <laughs> um, yes, Brian McCook is is a drag uh, race mm. alumni as well. Um, that's Catcher. Catcher Zamalucha. I've heard. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. Yes, you will have heard of her. She's the one who I've been to Glasgow twice to see. You, you see a lot of drag time. queens. I, I lose count, mate. To be honest. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. The Quiet Room is um, is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's what I appreciate about The Quiet Room is a couple of, well, there's, there's multiple aspects I, I appreciate about The Quiet Room. So first of all, I appreciate um, the fact that it's about mental health and a man struggling to deal with loss mm-hmm. and, and how he did deal with it. And then I appreciate the fact that it was a black male because we all know that mental health and depression in men in general is uh, is quite high, but not very very well talked about. Mm-hmm. I think it's more prevalent in the black community. And the fact that also he was homosexual. Mm-hmm. So um, I appreciate that the lead was a gay black man struggling. Not only homosexual, homosexual that doesn't need any explanation leading up to it. 
which I always appreciate in a film. And it's just there. It doesn't need yeah. explaining. Nobody needs to go, oh, you gay. It's just there and it's existing. So, yeah, I always appreciate that in a film. Yeah. So I, I do, that, yeah, I, I took some positive stuff away from The Quiet Room. Again, I'm not sure whether I fully understood the the overall arcing message. To of me, it, but... it was, it was, is he, <laughs> again, questioning when you tell somebody that something's happening to you, are, are you crazy or is this actually happening? Mm. And uh, as you know from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 as well, group psychosis, are they yes. all imagining the same thing because they're all crazy? Or, you know. What about you, Chris? What did you take away from it? See, I didn't. I just, in, I just enjoyed the performance of the story from this. I didn't get to the end of him take anything away and say, oh, yeah, so it's all about whether he did see this or whether this was happening to him. It's just the lead performance is a standout. He's, yeah, absolutely, he's yeah. absolutely brilliant. Although the supporting cast are great as well. And for a 30... Although I say, I say short, I have issues with shorts at clocking at 30 minutes. <laughs> that's not short, that's an episode. But that's, that's, that's by the by. But yeah, I, I, really, I really like the performance. As you say, I didn't, the fact that he's just gay, no, no explanation needed. Didn't even, it, made, it made him him, but there's no, they didn't play on it massively. No, no. There's no say, oh, he's acting this way because he's gay. And the relationship between them was really nice. I liked, I liked, I really liked the film. I have issues with the fact that they gave a man on suicide watch a pencil yeah. with a sharp, with a sharp yeah. tip. If, if we're being picky. <laughs> also, we just talked about the cats. Lisa Wilcox was in that. Alice, Nightmare on Street Part 4 and 5. I don't really Amy recall Denise. Part 4 and 5 as well as other people do. Oh, man. Anyway, that, that excited me when she popped up as well. I'm like, oh, wow, Lisa Wilcox. Jamal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamal Douglas. He also did another show which I watched called Payment. Did you Payment. see that one? Payment. Oh. Yeah. So it was about um, somebody who'd sold his soul to the devil oh. for a reason. Like, I think the reason is so that he could have like multiple relationships. I think that's what I got. Um, and Jamal plays the person coming to collect the for the devil. All right. Um, but when he struck up the deal with him, he kind of got into a bit of a, it's all indicate, insinuated, got into a bit of a relationship with the person that was selling the soul. Okay. Um, and that's another, it's just another, it's, it's, that is a short short, so I think it's like three minutes. Yeah. That's also quite a nice little short, um, but just, yeah, just about what people do to get what they want. And then what they'll do to keep it. Yeah. Cool. Another one of the films that we watched was Ex Roommate, uh, which I sent, uh, a, I think I sent a link out to that on Twitter a couple of, last week. Um, but you two watched it, yeah? No, I did not see yep. it. Oh. You watched no. it? <laughs> I did watch it, yes. What do you reckon? Um, I liked it. I really enjoyed I, it. I liked really, really it really a lot. Mm. Um, Again, with the whole same-sex relationship, where it's not an issue, it's not, it's not like there's not a big build-up to it. No, it's no. Just like, and uh, uh, the the lady who plays her girlfriend as well, um, Cheyenne Yulu, she actually directed it as well. So yes. she's the director. Um, 
<laughs> I, I, obviously, like, the thing is, I love Get Out so much. I compare so much stuff to Get Out. Uh, but it, it did have that kind of element of, hey, I'm just one of you, don't worry. What's up, girl? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it's so awkward, didn't it? Yeah, but like, obviously it's play. meant to, yeah. yeah. I liked all the performances in it. It was really natural. And to be honest, I kind of didn't see it going the way it was going at the end. And then when the reveal happened, I was like, oh, shut up. Yes. That's really good. Really Pardon? The very final part. Yeah. You didn't get it when she showed her a phone. No, I, I assumed she was jealous because she wanted to be with her. Oh, right. And that's at that point I went, ah. Oh, okay. Again, we do this a lot. I go into watching something and I just go with it. A lot of times stuff goes over my head and I'm like, oh, yeah, because I'm just going long for a ride. So. Oh, and I'm not. No. Always looking no, yeah, for I, I thought, um, I think, yeah, HRM is a really good one. Yeah, it really, really good. One of the one of the favourites of the, the recent shows that I've watched. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that one. There's also an, another one on YouTube, um, so you can't find any detail of it on uh, IM Media anyway. Don't know why. It's relatively new. It came out this year, 2020, mm. uh, which is this year. You obviously didn't mean me to remind <laughs> you of that. Uh, no, you meant the 2020 know. last year. This, this, this year feels like it's year. gone. Yeah. This year feels like it's gone on forever. It could be. We got no one's got any sense of what time is anymore. No, um, it's difficult to. Um, so it was written by someone called Carl Eccles and directed by Jacob Cipriani Mendez. Um, I can't find any information on them, so I don't know who they are okay. or what they do. Um, I can't find any information on the cast either. So the lead's a guy called Gordon. Sorry, Zeke Gordon. So it's the story of. Uh, as someone who's str- again depression, struggling after losing his mum, mm. and he sees kind of like an advertisement on TV saying, "Do you want to be a better you?" What's interesting about the advert is everyone on the advert's white, right. um, and they're like, "We want to make you the best version of you." And you're like, mm, "Awkward." Thought someone's face was staring at me through my door. Then <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, Mercer. No one's no one's heard this short. There's nothing on IMDb. There's no knowledge of this whatsoever. This could be this could be some kind of curse. Someone's staring through. Pre- I it can't find it on there. It's just your your cursed version of what's, YouTube. What's that um, TV show called? Cove something? Can Candle Cove? Channel Channel Zero. Channel Zero. This is your Channel Zero. No, it really happened. Look. There You're showing me a blank screen, Mercer. There's I don't nothing know. On there. There's nothing on there. There it is. It's <laughs> an excellent film, but anyway, it's a really good show about a guy who's he's struggling after his mum died yeah. and he takes these tablets. And uh, they're just like, let us know if you have any side effects. Um, and then he starts seeing his mum. Did you mention um, the show was called Side Effects? Yes. I couldn't remember whether you did or not, sorry. Yeah, it's called Side Effects. He starts seeing his mum. Um, Again, it's, it's, it's only like 40 minutes. Yeah. It's definitely worth a watch. The lead guy is really good in it. Okay. Um, yeah, really good. And that's on you. If it's on YouTube, we can link up and. I, I will. Watch, yeah, so. I'll, I'll send the link. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed it, though. Yeah, so there were some good little shorts that we watched. Uh, 
just Google black directors, black horror directors, and it'll bring up a load of shorts. There's so many on there. I couldn't get through all of them because sadly still working and stuff. Um, but I will do in future. So we just recommend you do that, I guess, just to pick up on some. But like we said before, we will link up on these so you can all That's watch them. And if we, if we come across any more, we'll just share them as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. And yeah. send, us, send us your recommendations yeah, as well. exactly. If, if you've got any that you think we should be watching or that people should be watching, let us know. Get them retweeted. Get them out there. It's not a horror podcast, but we had a podcast followers called Old School Movements. And I cannot tell you how much joy this podcast brought me. It's amazing. It's about these two friends who grew up in London and it's just everything retro. So they talk about like your retro sweets your retro tees that you used to have, your retro toys that you used to play with, and there was like a whole section on fucking cereal. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So I, I know it's not horror, but I really want to plug these guys. I'm sure they don't need it. You know, they've got a, they've got a good following. But really enjoyed this podcast. And if you just want a nice little happy podcast that just reminds you of being a kid, this is one for you. Sorry, just thought I'd do a plug on that. No, that's fine. Mm. It's always nice to plug other things. Like, oops. Like we said, it'd be good for us to have some recommendations for things to listen to and watch and, and read. It was just so joyous. <laughs> it was just so pure. It's like, oh man, you know when you get a variety pack? Because I was steaming at this. Because everyone was like, oh, when you get a variety pack and you know, you get your best ones out first. So you, people pick the Cocoa Pops and people pick the Frosties and you're left with Rice Krispies. You I love Rice Krispies. No, no. If you've got no sugar to put on them Rice Krispies, that's the worst thing to be left with, in my the opinion. The worst thing to have is them sugary ones that you've just said. Frosties. Frosties, the worst <gasps> cereal in the world. Get out. If you were in this house, get out. Cereal. I, I only put sugar on Weetabix, um, so I wouldn't have sugar on Rice Krispies or cornflakes or anything like that. I'll put, I'll put sugar on my Cocoa Pops. <laughs> wrong, wrong. But anyway, right. yeah, we'll we'll link you up to those guys as well to have a listen because it's just so lovely. It's just a really good podcast. And now we're also oh. Coco Pop. <laughs> um, uh, did you watch any more shorts? Or was that the? That's probably it for shorts. Like I said, I did a lot of uh, a looking around to try and find some relevant stuff to watch. Mm. Um, a lot of flashbacks of things that, um, well, like oh my god, yeah, again the lack of consideration I have when watching films. For example, I'm just going to throw these things out there, but, like, Killjoy, completely forgot Killjoy is... It's a killer clown. Don't, you've never seen Killjoy? No. Oh, my God. Oh, my it's, God, I've never seen Killjoy. <laughs> you've never seen Killjoy. So, Killjoy, it's a killer clown, but, again, it's set, like, in an urban area um, with which is predominantly black, and it's a clown... Hunt, hunt him, like black villains. I recall the sleeve of it. I recall the artwork. Yeah, um, and also I forgot how many films or how they got there. Um, and I know we need to move on to some better stuff. But what I find interesting is a lot of films when they tried to become more urban, like Leprechaun, for example, was Leprechaun in the hood. Yeah, and I think a few films did it. Almost as if to say to like the kind of audience, like this stuff only happens in the hood. Right. Safe outside of there. And I'll be like, mm, that's a bit bizarre. 
One feature we haven't mentioned, uh, or we may have earlier, but it's it's been a long day. I've had a couple of brandies. I'm not sure. Um, people under the stairs. Now, I don't put. I've only seen people under the stairs probably once, twice. So I don't really recall everything on it. But um, Mitch was supposed to come on tonight, but he's not very well. Bless him. Um, and I said he'd probably hit you up for people under the stairs to talk about it because you know a lot about it. I do. <laughs> well, it, you, I'm, I'm sure you mentioned once it one of your favourite films or something. I love people under the stairs. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I think he's got an awesome cast. Um, it's fucking mental. Um, and yeah, again, the the not realizing that it was probably one of the few films. That I've seen where the protagonist is a black child, mm. which was like, oh yeah, you don't see that a lot, do you? Yeah. Um, but he's also then saving a white girl. Uh, but what I think is, do you know something that just said that about quite a lot of these films is a sense of community. Okay. So like people under the stairs, he's robbing this house because these people kind of like own the properties in their community and they're going to let him go to rubble. I think they're going to destroy him and they just want to get him the money to get him redone. Mm. Um, and then at the end of the film, like there's this, like the entire community come to support him and help him and the people who need help in there. And I think that's what you get with Candyman as yeah, well. That's yeah. He'll come to show solidarity, which I think is very key especially mm. in today's kind of well, climate it has to be that's the thing i, I think in the message you're giving along and again because we because we as white people don't have that fear of going outside and being targeted on the color of the skin when you are in that position you have to come together as a community because you understand what's happening to another person mm-hmm. so it, it's very yeah it it's understandable why that would be a key point in films. I think, yeah, I think you see, you see that a lot more in films when communities come together. It is normally a minority community that comes together for the greater good, yeah, rather than like your Beverly Hills white family. Like yeah. they don't really fuck about what's going on in the world. Um, so I thought I think that's quite good. But People in the Stairs is is a really good film and it's fun. It's also got uh, Kelly Binter in it, who's the from Nightmare on Elm Street Part Five, um, so she plays his sister. She plays Alice's best friend in Nightmare Five. So um, basically, I've got to go back and watch People Under the Stairs along with Nightmare on Elm Street Part Part Four and Nightmare on Elm Street Part Five. As as being the takeaway from this pod, those are those are the ones I need to well, go yeah, back and watch. Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four delves back into the black character getting killed. Right. Okay. So we see Part Three. The only black character that survives is the only black character of the film, I believe, which is Kincaid. Yeah. And then obviously part four, he dies immediately. Um, so they kill him off straight away. Yeah. And then they kill the other black character off further on in the film. Mm. Then in part five, it's the, the black... I said black... I think she's mixed race, though. Okay. And I think sometimes um, films treat mixed race people different to the way they treat a black character mm. um i think so but yeah but you should always want to be watching Nightmare on Elm Street oh <laughs> yeah uh, we... but what else is interesting just about part three just to say it very quickly mm. what's interesting in is 
Kincaid is the strong boy. Yeah. And he's seen as the, the doctor in the hospital looks as him as the trouble causer. He's trouble, he's violent. Yeah? Larry, Larry Fishburne? Is it Larry Fishburne? Yeah. Yeah. He's in it. Or Lauren, Lawrence Fishburne, but he was Larry Lauren. Fishburne. He was Larry. But in the film, yeah, she kind of treats Kincaid as, as like the trouble and the violent one. Mm. And it's funny that when they go um, to the dream personas, it's Tarrant, the white girl, who's the bad girl. And she's a bad girl she's in real thought. life. Yeah. She steals people's drinks. It's not my drink! <laughs> Jennifer Robin! <laughs> One day I'll, I'll find you, Jennifer. I'll find you <laughs> and I'll make you give me that drink back. Um, <laughs> no, but, no, but it's interesting that, yeah, even then, like, the, it was the, the the black person was singled out as being the trouble. Yeah. Like, yeah. we're a group of troubled youths, and there's someone in there who was a lot worse than she were a junker. She had a flick knife, and she was looking for trouble, mm. man. Yeah. She weren't beautiful. I'm bad. <laughs> but yeah, I, I will. I will go back and revisit and have a gander upon that. Uh, we watched a new one which I've not seen before, uh, purely because I wanted to see this lass in this role. Uh, we watched Ma, and it was brilliant to see Octavia Spencer as a badass in it. She goes fucking postal. I'm not even kidding. She goes mental it's, in this film. It's proper 80s thriller, single white theme. Oh, it's so good. It's, pro- it's over the top. But it's fun. It's yeah. a lot It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's basically she um, she gets asked to buy beer for this group of kids. And um, she's hesitant at first, but she goes and does it. And then... She calls the cops on them where they're drinking, and you're like, hmm, "What's the motive here? What's going on, Karen?" Um, so please turn up, and then she's like, "Ah, oh, but you've got nowhere to drink now, so why don't you drink in my basement?" Bit weird from the off. So they go and drink in a basement, and then she starts throwing all these parties, and she wants to be involved in them, and it starts getting a bit weird, and they try and like go, "Hey, come on now, no." We don't really want her hang around with her. And it turns out she's got this whole other motive involved where she used to go to high school with one of the kids' dads and he humiliated her. And she's getting payback, basically. And she's, honestly, she's brilliant in it. I love it when she goes full psycho. I absolutely do. Because it's so refreshing to see Octavia Spencer in a role like that rather than what she normally plays. Because she's not stereotyped, but she tends to be involved in, like, period pieces, like Shape of Water and The Help and such. And this would just a complete removal. I mean, unless there are other films out there that I've not seen her in, this was something entirely different to what she does. And, it, it like Chris said, it is fun. Th- there's a lot going on in it. The deaths are fucking brilliant. <laughs> there's some really good ones in there. Um, but there are some touching bits as well. Like, again, it's this, she was a victim. They picked on her, they humiliated her. And I'm not saying that that always should lead to you going and killing people, but she's not... She's a sympathetic villain. Yeah, she's... yeah. And there's some really hot... Like, when you see how she was humiliated, it's really like, oh. And then, like, the dad comes along and... It's like, oh, I've not seen you forever. And he finds out that she's been hanging around with his kid and wants to know why. And rather than just coming out and asking her, makes her dress all up, takes her out to a bar and then confronts her in front of everybody. Like, you cruel bastard. 
You could have literally just had a word with her, but you didn't. Yeah. You humiliated her again in front of everyone. It's horrible. But don't worry. She nearly cuts his dick off, so... <laughs> she, she didn't actually cut his dick off, but... It's a, it's a Friday evening kind of kind of watch. Seek it out if you... And it's 90, 90 minutes long. Yeah. Throw it on. There's not beyond the beyond that surface. There's not a great deal more. No, it's, it's, just, it's just a, a fun lot of film. Fun. It's really good. Yeah. Where is it available to watch? We watched it on Netflix. No, we watched it on Now TV. So oh, Sky okay. Movies, you'll be able Sky to watch it. Sky Movies, yeah. Oh, I've got that. Well, guys, lads, it's come to wow. that time, hasn't it? We we all knew this was going to happen. We recorded a drunk episode once where I went on about this and then we never, you know, that never saw the light of day. And rightly no, so, because we were all hammered. No. It was I, com- very I, tr- nice I tried, I tried to edit it together that I couldn't, I got from an hour, from an hour, first hour, I got nine, 12 minutes of coherent, coherent, usable content. So that's never going to see the light of day, that's locked in the vault. Yeah. Right, but, so I guess we better talk about it then, aren't we? Yes, we should. It's us, and it's get out. I, I, I'm trying not to gush about this because you know my love for Jordan Peele, and I can run for hours talking about these two films. So I'm going to try and contain myself. Um, us is obviously amazing, and you watched it uh, again, and we watched it again for the I don't know how many times. Twenty. I, yeah. I, I watched it at least five times at cinema and I think it was two days in a row when I went to watch it um, it's just amazing it's so loud and the performances in it are amazing like um, is it Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke are just the best together they're just amazing oh, I fucking love it I it's alright <laughs> no it's great it's it's a great it's a great film. It's it's not Jordan Peele's best work though, is it? I believe it is. Chris would disagree and say it's Get Out, which again I absolutely adore. Mercer, so, what would you say? This is make or break for a friendship. So whoever you pick, yeah, just pick wisely. That's all I'm saying. Well, I could pick wisely. I could pick honestly. So I'm gonna go with honest because I think honesty is the best policy. Yeah. Um, I preferred us to get out. You're still my friend, don't worry. Uh, I did. Um, from the two films, I, I, I felt. Yeah, I did prefer us. I felt it was. I don't know. Um, I see. I see. Get out as commentary. It is a it's a commentary film, and it's fucking outstanding. I'm not taking anything away from it. Because Daniel Kaluuya is... I, I love that guy. I loved him in fucking Black Mirror. I loved him in Psycho. Even back to Psychoville. He's incredible in it. I just think the whole story in Get Out is, is incredible, you know. And it, I mean, like, the little subtleties in any Jordan Peele film where you've got, like, the fact that he's sat in the chair and to save himself, he picks cotton out yeah. of the arms and, it, you know, he kills Bradley Whitford with a stag, which I believe is some sort of... Comment. They yeah. That in the yeah, and they and they hit the deer yeah. in the beginning as well. Just and to the point where when they hit the deer and they get out of the car and they're dealing with the cop and on the surface you just go, Well, that's just 
you know, him being racist sort of thing and she's standing up for her man. She's not. She don't want him found out. She don't want anyone knowing where he's going because of what she's going to no. do. Amazing! I think, um, for me, I think Get Out is, it's a really good film, but it's, it's, it, like, hits me with, like, like, ooh, 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 mm. but it don't feel consistent, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm going to say no, because it does to me, it, it moves perfectly smooth, it, you know, like, everything that's put in place in between, reaching to its okay. climax, just feels natural. I mean, it doesn't give me, like, a consistent feeling of, like, dread or... Right. ...or build-up. It, it gives me moments of, but then I kind of come out of it. See, the first... And then go back in, then come out. The first time I saw Get Out, I didn't know what was going to happen because I was just going along for the ride and it had been built up so much and I thought, well, you know, you normally pick up... You pick up on little things in horror films and you think, oh, maybe it's going to go this way. I had no idea where it were going. I was like, wow, yes, this is brilliant. See, I was like, I know where this is going. I've got this. Her parents are fucking racist pieces of shit and um, they're going to kill him and they're going to, you know, say, or attempt to kill him and then tell her he's gone. And that moment when he's like, when he's trained for the keys and she kind of like holds him up on stairs. And then you know I can't do that, babe. But, what does she say? You know I can't give you these, babe. Yeah. yeah. And then what's up there is I was just like, ooh, that got me. And that's probably one of the, the better parts of the film. And the end, they talk about it on Horror Noir, mm. and you forget, but that ending when he's on the field and you see them cop lights coming up, and as, as an audience member, even, like, you know, they were speaking about it as black viewers. Mm. As a white viewer, I was like, this kid's going to get arrested yeah. for murder. Yeah, You know, like, you know no it's going to be, be, yeah. And that, and apparently that's what the ending was supposed to be, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, the, the alternate ending is on the DVD. Mm. And yeah, he does. Just gets arrested and in jail. Yeah. And, the, and the thing... See, when you watch it back as well, because nothing is by accident in these films, and that's, that's what I love about them so much, is that everything is meticulously planned. Even in Us, everything's set out... To make yeah. you go away that you you don't know where you're gonna go, and when you watch it back and you see um, the, oh, I forgot his name, I'm sorry, the the gentleman who they've had the brain put into in the party, okay, yeah. and he's like showing himself off like it's a new model, like it's a new suit sort of thing. That's even more disturbing when you watch it a second time, knowing exactly what he is and why he's like that way. And you're like, oh <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a bit unsettling. But like at the end as well, um, when she sat there listening, when listening to Dirty Dancing soundtrack, um, she's got the bowl of cereal and she's separating the colours from each other. Even down to that level, I'm like, it's so fucking genius. But I love, but I love us more because it feels more like a horror film. It's got more us. of a horror element in it. Yes, and us is more. Uh, this probably sounds bad but it's probably more relatable to us mm. as white viewers because it's the entire world that's got these underlings, these... Yeah. Um, what are they called? Shadow people? Um, what are they called? Doppelgangers. It's doppelgangers. Yeah. Te- the, but the entire world's got them. Yeah. 
and that it was actually written because uh, which, which I only found out the other day as well not this but another thing um, it was written because Jordan Peele's got this fear that he does have a doppelganger out there and that he's just going to rock up at any minute and all the rabbits in it are well they're a symbol of fertility um, mm-hmm. but he said well I read that he'd said he was actually terrified of rabbits because they've got like soulless eyes and he says the ears are like scissors like that so that's why you've got the scissor element in the film. And that I just love the way things link to each other. It's so good. In the opening scene, you've got her watching the Hands Across America um, promo on TV. All the VHS tapes at the side relate to doppelgangers like Chud and stuff like that. They're all, like, they're all films that relate to that film. It's so clever. It's so fucking clever. I love Jordan Peele. Yes, and um, the performances are very strong. Amazing. Um, I I think the kids are really good at it. They are. As well. And I'm not, I don't like kid actors. Uh, but I think the daughter is really good. That scene where she's like around the car. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is, this is quite tense. But it's still got its humour in it. You know, like when she's calling for police and they end up playing fuck the police. Again, the little things in it, like the guy, the, the, um, what do you call the little kid? Anyway, the little boy in it. Mm. Before he goes upstairs with his sister to bash one of the twins in, he picks up this geofossil ornament and he's there in like his white tuxedo shirt. It looks like Jordan Peele receiving his award. Like how he received his award, it's like a thing to it, like that. All oh. these little, th- these, just these little things in it that I love down to the artwork. The artwork, like, shows. The tethered coming up, it, it's like it's on string and it's like slate on string and it's all gathered at the bottom and then gets more diluted towards the top. And to me, that's like them coming up. Like, oh, I love it. The, the shots in it are just amazing. And that's right to the end where you're panning over the hills and they're all just there, just holding hands and they're going for fucking miles. And of course, of course, the ballet scene. The ballet scene at the end is it's just fucking phenomenal where they're just dancing around each other the thing is though if she she knows every move she's going to make which is how she avoids it the whole way through because she she sidesteps at every point when she's going to strike so she's either like amazing a dancer or knows every single move that she's going to make I'm not saying the dancing abilities I'm just saying that scene where they're dancing with each other it's an amazing scene I just saying where she she avoids it constantly up close when she should be getting stabbed and then just seems to lose, lose all attention and then just gets stabbed at the end. It's like, surely she should be expecting that. Well, technicalities aside, because fear doesn't like technicalities. Um, fear doesn't like anything that might ruin the film. No, like, not if... with us. No, I don't. Just leave me. Leave me to enjoy it. Stop picking apart, please. Well, technicalities aside, but not, not technicalities aside, a technical thing, something that does need mentioning is that us is no not us we didn't mention it for get out that it's the first film or jordan peele is the first african-american mm. person to win an academy award for best original screenplay and oh my god deservedly so and it's like what 2017 yeah yeah it's just so bizarre to think that it's taken that long i know uh, because the 
there'd been other people nominated for him, but that long for someone to win an award for screenplay from the black community is bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. It is a shame. It really is. But I think there could have been more awards for that film. I think... um, It should have got everything. Get out. I should have got fucking everything. I'll give him Get Out Best Picture. Best Picture. I love, I love Get Out. So Lakeith Stanfield, who's in Get Out, is also in a film called... Sorry to bother you. Not a horror, but would recommend that you check it out anyway because it is weird as fuck. But it's brilliant. It's like... It, it's about these guys working in a call centre and you put on a white voice... Because people don't want to hear a black voice. So you have to have your white voice. And they put it on and that like the more of a white voice you get and the more sales you get coming in and such, you get bumped up to the point where you get to this top level where you have to use your white voice the whole time. Because that shows like progression. It's fucked up. It's brilliant though. It's absolutely brilliant. It's weird. It's really, really weird. But I would I don't want to say all else about that, but that also needs watching, in my opinion. It is weird. It's brilliant. It's yeah. You do you do have a moment where you where you you'll be watching it. I just go ah, oh. <laughs> and I'll be like, what's happening? <laughs> it's fucking great. It's it's in the same vein as like lobster. If you've seen okay. lobster, it's it's in that yeah. kind of same. Yeah, it's really good. But yeah, um, I could talk about Jordan Peele all night. I won't. Obviously, if you don't know any of Jordan Peele, if if you only know us and get out, go check out Key and Peele. They're sketches because they're fucking okay. amazing. Um, and Keanu as well, because <laughs> Keanu is brilliant. Uh, funny, but not horror. But you know, if you want to check, oh, and he's obviously done new Twilight Zone as well, which are really good. A really different take on him. So yeah, that's it. Really, <laughs> yeah. That's probably it for what we've recently watched and stuff mm-hmm. but I reckon um, there's so much choice out there to of good things to watch good things um, like always if we come across anything whether it be black cinema whether it be uh, LGBTQ any ethnic minority female or just anything that we think is good in general we will share but mm-hmm. um, we just like everybody we do believe that it's important that there's a positive platform today for the black community who are currently once again fighting. We don't want to be who we are. Um, some of us are lucky enough to fall into certain categories that allow us to be. Some of us have our own little fights, but it's just sad that, you know... We, we, have, we have our own fights, but we've never had a fight based on the colour of our skin. No, and that's what it is. Um, yeah, um, and that's what I mean. And it's just sad that, you know, I, I, I remember, I'm sure it was 2017, I think it was 2017, when the Black Lives Matters movement was, there was big protest, and I just don't know, I don't understand how we're... It's three years later and still nothing's been done. It, but it's just sad to think that, this is still a reality. And because it's still a reality, it's important to speak up about it. Don't just sit there and say you're not racist. Call somebody out on it if they're doing it. Whether it means you get shouted back at, fuck it, you're getting shouted back at a bit. It doesn't matter. Yeah. 
it's nothing to what people have gone through before you. So just speak mm. up, just challenge it. I don't understand how anyone could ever turn around and say they're against Black Lives Matter. So something that I just find remarkable is the people who, who kind of come in with the all lives matter. And you just want to say <laughs> to them, can you just, like, the, the reality is, if you genuinely believe all lives matter, then why would you try and detract from a movement that needs that support right now? I know. It's exhausting explaining why that's damaging. Absolutely exhausting. It just doesn't make sense. It's just... That's um, why That's why it's important to ed- not only educate other people, educate yourself. Mm. So that when you do get this sort of narrative, you say, well, no, actually, this is a scenario. We'll always be able to educate ourselves and fight for what's right and even when you know everything looks or appears like it's on par or everyone's at the same level still keep fighting for that equality because this because people will always question it and Mm. take it away but we're seeing it again with the trans community Mm. um where they're losing that like where Trump's now saying you know you can you don't have to treat someone if you don't believe if you don't like them for their choice of gender black lives matter black trans lives matter too let's Mm -hmm. not forget that people well obviously coming up in like future episodes we will obviously look at queer content for pride month what you said it goes on for quite a while Pride Month's technically this month, mm. but a lot of events would have taken place in July. Yeah. Um, through to, then they take place from June through to like August time, maybe October. Some pride, some places will, would have been having pride events. Well, that again, in, in support of it, that's something we can look at in the future. Um, I think next week we're back to a normal format. So, Mercer, it's your turn to choose the genre next week. What are you going with? Um, so this week I've decided that I want us to go potentially gross or potentially really hyper kind of like horror, like intelligent. Your dick pics then? What? Your dick pics. And that's what we're going to go with. Yes! I've got about five Um, of them. I can choose. In reality... Um, I think that some of it covers that is um, body horror. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Oh, okay, okay. So I've decided I want to go with body horror. All right. Fair dues. Plenty to choose from. Oh, yeah. Plenty to choose from. As Mercer says, you can go splatfest the highbrow. There's a lot, a lot yeah. going on there. Yes. But I think it should uh, hopefully stem to some interesting combo. I just can't. St- I, I'm just thinking society and bums right now. That's all I'm thinking. Oh, uh, I love bums. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. I guess we better crack on and start picking us faves. Then we will. Um. Drop you hints as normal. I'm liking the kaleidoscope ones. If I'm honest, I think that. They're pretty hard to get some of them. 
Although Mitch seems to get them every week. Um, But I still think they're quite hard to get. We've got to be careful, though, if we're doing body horror. Like, if we do pick society, we've got to be careful that it's not just a kaleidoscope of anuses the whole way around. Or from the anuses around the world. Close-up anuses? Does anybody want that? I don't know. I don't think they do. Check out James Bond III's Twitter account and then tell me whether you want it. (laughs) No, I'm staying away. I'm staying away. But, yeah, we will drop those clues and... uh, some links to these shorts. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Pardon? We'll speak next week. Yes, we will. Yes. Uh, Until then, stay safe. Um, Hashtag Black Lives Matter. And see you soon. Bye then. Bye. Bye. To keep up to date with everything we're doing, or if you want to contact us at all, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook and Letterboxd by searching for I Spit on Your Grids, Twitter by searching for the handle at SpitGrids, or you can email us on electricpossums at gmail.com.